welcome to The Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jen Sobchakshay Banker, and I am here with a couple of prime suspects. First, he's going to have a hard time making the case for an accidental fall. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? It was an instrumental version. Uh, it's it's going well. How are you doing, Jen? <laughs> that was a deep cut from this movie. Like, that's that's not fine. Even... <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> okay. No, I agree. I agree. And he only has to prove it's not impossible. It's Antonio Elefano. Welcome back to the show, Antonio. I didn't kill him. That's not the point. Okay. <laughs> the accents were very bad. <laughs> Accent work. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't anyway. care. I love it. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was it was from the Russian dub. <laughs> it was a Russian dub. <laughs> it's it's um if if Adam Driver were in those roles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love I love you, Adam Driver. It's only a joke. Uh so we are here today to review Justine Trier's Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, it's a crime thriller and a legal procedural, you know, so our quotes of the beginning might have hinted at that a little bit. And it won the Palme d'Or, which is the biggest prize at the Cannes Film Festival. And, you know, ever since it won that, it's been in the Oscars conversation. So we are really thrilled to be able to finally see this film and review it. We actually had a lovely evening. The three of us made a rare co-viewing in person. Uh, we went to a screening on campus uh, that was very graciously hosted by Neon and they were giving away posters and, and postcards and it was a great time. And, you know, for those of you who are, have are, have not really been tracking this film, uh, it's playing in theaters in New York, LA and San Francisco right now. And we're recording this on Wednesday, October 17th. Uh, and it's supposed to be released more widely I think I did, had to do a little bit of digging to find this out, but October 26th was the closest to an, like a, a def, definite date that I could get for that. Uh, it's distributed by Neon, which means that, you know, even if you're not able to go out to the theater right now, it will be eventually on Hulu. If you're listening to us for the first time, we'll have a spoiler-free section. So if you haven't seen the film, you're, you're good. We're going to design that first 30 to 40 minutes for those who haven't seen the film yet. And then we will switch into spoiler mode with a very loud, obnoxious warning. <laughs> and we will uh, be in spoiler mode from that point onward in the rest of the show. So if you haven't had a chance to see the film, you can stick around for about the first 30 or 40 minutes uh, and decide if it's something that you'd be interested in seeing. And then uh, if you do decide to see it, you can pause, go see it, and rejoin us for the rest of the conversation. PT, what should folks do if they're here for the first time and they don't want to miss all the great reviews that we've got in store? Well, Jen, what, what a great question. Uh, the answer for that is they should uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, so they don't miss any episodes when they drop. Uh, they can they can follow us on uh, the main feed on uh, Jen's uh, Substack, which is uh, thelongtake.substack.com. You can also find us on all your favorite uh, po podcast gatherers and catchers, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts. Uh, there's like the... The Google one, I think, that's out there. Uh, so you can uh, subscribe uh, anywhere around there. You can also leave a review or a rating if you would like. Uh, and you can also follow us on social media at the Long Take Review on both Instagram and Threads. Awesome. Thanks, BT. Our last order of business before we dig into Anatomy of a Fall is a really quick movie news check-in. I 
I haven't quite decided when we're going to drop this episode because it's not out in most theaters right now. And so doing it really soon would, doesn't totally make sense to me. So I think we're going to forego any sort of time sensitive breaking news. Uh, but I do want to hear about how your individual movie worlds are going. Have you seen anything new that you want to talk about? Any new movies, new trailers? Well, I know I know the three of us recently saw a movie and, and two of us liked it and one didn't. <laughs> so uh, fair, fair play. Right. Um, on on Netflix, my, my wife and I uh, watched it and I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was very well done and really fascinating. Jen, what did you think? I also really enjoyed it. Uh, I was a little confused because I think reviews that I had seen or initial reactions to it coming out of Sundance, which is where I saw it, um, were sort of saying the 90s erotic thriller is back. Like, this is like bringing back basic instinct. In it. And then I watched it and I was like, what? Because <laughs> it was really good and I really enjoyed it and, and I appreciated yeah. it. But I don't feel as though it really is striking the same tone as that what that kind of film. It's not like a it's not like a fun, sexy thriller. Right. Like it's it's actually like a very dark. <laughs> I, to me, it's like I, if I were to pitch it to somebody, I would say it's like a it's a very dark relationship drama about gender politics in the workplace like i wouldn't necessarily be like this is like a fun sexy time uh, but i don't know and but i know pt was a little cooler on it so well yeah i didn't it may have been a similar i also saw it at sundance when you did i i haven't watched it again since it came on netflix and it's possible it was that the hype or the sort of uh, pitching of it as this sort of highly intelligent and also very erotic kind of thriller. Uh, I didn't think the story really held together. I thought the ideas were really interesting. I liked the dynamic that it was going for. I thought the actors were all giving it their best and doing a good job with what they had, but I didn't think it really worked. Uh, and uh, that was that's all I'll say. I don't want to sit here and be like, it was bad, which is what I was doing to Antonio and Jen uh, when we were talking <laughs> about it. I just kept being like, oh, you mean when it was bad? Uh, which isn't very nice. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't particularly care for it, um, but you have, you have two uh, smart people's uh, opinion that it was good. So people should go check it out and decide for themselves. A lot of critics sort of say that they they were really into it until the third act, and I can sort of see that it is it does have sort of like a it does take a little bit of a turn at the end in a way that like well you will either be into or not <laughs> for sure. But that is on Netflix right now, so it's it's very easy to watch. Um, Alden, it's part of the Alden Ehrenreich comeback, I would say. Not as great as his performance in Oppenheimer, but I I would say he does he does a great job. Uh, and Phoebe, I never know how to say her last name. Devener, she's from Bridgerton. She's a Netflix queen now. Um, also very good in it. Oh, I was going to say the most recent movie I watched that was a relatively new movie was uh, from the came out earlier in this year. I think all the way back, like in the first week or two, and it was uh, Megan or M three Gen. I don't know. It's the about the robot, uh, which had always kind of looked like oh that looks like it could be you know kind of dumb but kind of fun. And then I kept hearing from people that like, actually it's, it, it's, it's really good at what it does. And it was really good at what it does. I, I do. It's, it's not like a horror movie. So I don't think it, if you're someone who is like, uh, you know, freaky movies, I don't know. Uh, it, it is more of a sort of social satire baked around sort of robotics. There's like some violent scenes, uh, but it's, it's more of a, you know, 
violent movie. I won't call it an action movie, but a violent movie than a horror movie. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you have any inclination to potentially see it, I would check it out. It is, uh, it was, it was surprising despite people saying that it was really good. I was still surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Uh, and the other thing that I'll just note, which maybe is where Jen's going and I'm, uh, maybe I'm setting her up, uh, is as we are here in mid-October, we're getting, we're starting to get more and more trailers for the hyped, uh, award season movies of the, of the fall that are coming out. So, uh, there've been some great trailers that are out there and I hope folks are, are paying attention to the ones that drop. I don't want to step on Jen's update, but I'll just say the trailers are good. Trailers I are coming tra- in. I, I agree. I think American Fiction was the most recent one that I watched and looks incredible. I mean, that was the the TIFF Audience Award winner. Uh, so, you know, it already has a lot of buzz, but actually seeing the trailer and to see how like funny it seems. I think, I, I don't know, for some reason in my head, I thought of it as being a little bit, I, I knew it was satirical, but I thought of it as being more serious, but this actually just looks like laugh out loud funny as well. You know, we're, we're, we're here on the get, let's get Jeffrey Wright an Oscar campaign. So I was excited to see him like showing that potential. What was the other there? I feel like there was one other trailer that recently came there out. Was, that, there was a zone of interest teaser uh, oh, okay. that, that came out. And then there's been uh, second trailers for both Napoleon and Ferrari. Oh, that's right. That I, I, noted in the last couple days and the, i guess in other news uh bike i know i said we weren't going to do news news but but the bike riders got pushed indefinitely so yes. this is an interesting backdoor for a strike update because since the actor strike is not going well right now they want to wait until the strike is over so they haven't even pushed it to a specific date they've just said we've pulled it it was originally supposed to be december 1st they've pulled the film and said we're going to wait until the strike is over because we want the Oh, thank you, VT. It's 20th Century Studios. Oh, which is also Disney. Oh, mergers, I can't keep track. Um, they I, they must be pretty confident that the movie's going to do a lot better when they can have actors. I mean, it's got Austin Butler and and Tom Hardy in it, so and Jodie Comer. So like, I get it. I get why they're doing it. <laughs> uh, but still, it was like slightly disappointing. I was like, I thought we were done with this. Another one bites the dust. All right. Now I think we're ready to start talking about Anatomy of a Fall. So we'll start with our short takes. What was your general reaction to the film? How did you enjoy it? We'll start with Antonio. I I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, when when we sat down together, PT told us both that the movie was about two and a half hours long, <laughs> and and when I after the first like twenty minutes. I remember thinking like, how is this going to be two and a half hours long? <laughs> right. Um, and especially because, you know, it's been, it, the, the film had been described as a kind of procedural, right? Like a legal procedural. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm so accustomed to, to the structure of a procedural procedurals um, are about a sort of familiar structure that allows you to focus on figuring out what happened. Right. But I found that the revelations through the procedure of this trial uh, here, I thought invited just more and more questions and and plunged me into less certainty, uh, not more certainty about what was going on and what to think about the characters. Oh, we didn't really go through what the what the sort of general premise is, right? But um, anatomy of a fall, it's the fall of a man falls from from um, you know the third third story, I think of, of yeah, that of, sounds right. 
to his death. And the prime suspect is, um, is his wife, um, who was, she was in the home at the same time, along with their young son, right? And so, you know, figuring out what, what, what what's happening here and the trial that the, that the, the wife goes through is, is, is the center of the, of the plot, right? But I found that as I was moving into, you know, less certainty about what was going on, I wasn't, I wasn't, frustrated, I was fascinated, right? And, and so to me, I, I actually wouldn't pr- describe it as a procedural, I think, to, to friends, or if I was recommending it to someone, I, to me, it, it works as, um, as a sort of just fascinating kind of character study. It has more in common with like tar than like a time to kill. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. How about you all? I, I fully agree. I also really enjoyed it. I thought it would, it was uh, an excellent movie. And uh, you're you're right in the same area where where I was that I wanted to note that it's you know my main takeaway the short take as as it were uh, is that it, it was an exceptional character study and sort of a, a rumination on the seemingly mundane elements of interpersonal relationships smuggled to the audience in the covering of a murder mystery of a like did did she do it or didn't not like a who done it but but did do it kind of uh, mystery setup. And uh, as the story progresses, that sort of drive of just like, I want to crack this, I want to figure out like, where's the piece of evidence really fades away as you just are engrossed in these these characters and their dynamics and the, you know, it, it becomes irrelevant what uh, happens in the courtroom procedure that is the main kind of narrative drive because you're seeing w- how the characters are being impacted by what is is happening in the moment and the accumulation of what's happened in their in their past. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was really good. I do think the sort of it's a it's a procedural. It's it's adjacent to true crime. If you like, you know, mystery murder mysteries, um, you do this is seems to be sort of the positioning for like. It's a French art house movie, but like you could like it. Like this could be a thing you would enjoy <laughs> uh, to the to people who maybe don't think that they would enjoy that. Uh, but you know, I think those elements play, and those elements are interesting. Uh, it, it will, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated. I, I feel like some of the reviews I know that the Amy Nicholson review in the New York Times uh, sort of talked about this, where it's like, well, are people going to be mad that there's not, you know, like like where how they handle the sort of mystery component that does kind of fade more into the character work, but I loved it. I thought, I thought that that was great. I loved it too. And I think that says a lot considering how much hype I had going into this because it really, since can, which was what, like back in May or June or like, I don't remember when can was, but you know, at the beginning of the summer. So it's been many, many months of people just like really praising this film and saying, and, you know, and, and knowing that it had won the big prize it can and just people saying, you gotta, you gotta see this, you gotta see it. And, and so, so I went into it with like pretty big expectations and I feel like it 110% delivered. I was like, wow, like this really is <laughs> what are people are saying it is. Uh, and I think the reason for that is largely to what both of you are speaking to is that it like it satisfies the itch for the procedural sort of like because they have the sort of like analysis that you would get in a procedural but it's refusal to as antonio mentioned progress us towards certainty and a re- and reveal there's no reveal right like every layer that we peel back 
just makes it kind of more complicated. That aspect of it is what really elevates it. Cause it's like, considering this is a movie about a suspicious death, I think it really is really well done on, on just that surface level and does all the things that, that people want out of that mostly. And then it's like on top of that, got this really of making something so rich and complex with the characters and right, because you know, the, the title's anatomy of a fall that refers to both the literal fall that the movie, the plot is, is, is surrounded by, but also it's like this dissection of a family uh, and, and their relationships and stuff like that. And that's really what I think makes it for me stand out above just, it's not just like a mechanically well done <laughs> movie of this type. It's actually like a lot more than that. So, so yeah, I really loved it too. And yeah, Sandra Hewler was the other sort of big hype for me. And I was just like floored <laughs> by her performance. Yeah. So good. Um, and made me really embarrassed that I had never seen her in anything before or never really heard of her before this award season where suddenly she's in two movies that are that one awards it can and and are in contention for Oscars potentially. Uh, so, yeah. So I think I was just wow- wowed from start to finish. And it's very meticulous. I feel like the screenplay was maybe my favorite part of it, where not only is our, is the actual writing very rich and has a lot of stuff to dig into, but also just very meticulously constructed. So I think PT already started dipping into this by talking about who, like, how do we pitch this movie to other people we know? <laughs> or like, who are we telling to watch this? Uh, so I think that means we got to talk about the recommendation algorithm uh, in which we establish the audience of a film. So not yet. Yeah, not every film is for everyone. That's sort of the philosophy behind the recommendation algorithm. So who do we think would or would not enjoy this film? Like, who are we telling to go watch this? I, I'm certainly people who like literary fiction. This this is a movie about writers. The 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 both husband and wife of the married couple are uh, fiction writers uh, who uh, to to varying degrees of success and. You know, it's that that is such a key element of sort of, you know, how does that uh, how do the, the stories of their lives play into the stories that they tell and how does that connect to the stories that are told to each other, et cetera. Uh, and I think that that like it feel, it has that kind of richness and depth of character that, uh, you know, the character is the center of it instead of the plot, which it feels weird for a murder mystery. But I think that if, if that sounds like something that is appealing then you know those people should certainly see it. Yeah, if you like inscrutable sort of central characters, and I I made a list like I already mentioned Tar, but like The Phantom Thread, A Cry in the mm. Dark, um, I've Loved You So Long, which is another French movie. Kristen Scott Thomas um, years back is excellent. Decision to Leave. Um, I was oh, just talking yeah. to Corey Nelson about about that. Uh, this I think is the movie. This is the kind of movie for you. For people who who really love procedurals, though, right? Like to, to someone thinking that this is going to be like just a longer episode of like Law and Order, then um, then you know, then I think that there are going to be elements of it that you will enjoy, but I think there's going to be some frustration um, as well. People are like French Law and Order is so weird. <laughs> uh, they've got a weird version here. Yeah, I definitely see. Like, I I think about like the parents of friends I have. Who you know will will dip into movies that get like some sort of like award buzz, and they'll be like, "That Birdman movie was really weird," and like they wanted like Lone Survivor instead. Like they're like Lone Survivor was much better than Birdman, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> that may this may not be 
for you. Um, and I, I could see someone being sold this as, you know, sort of like a, not a Miss Marple, but, you know, a kind of cozy murder mystery in a snow, a snowy European setting. And it's like, oh, we'll figure out who did it. And they get to the end and they're just like, what happened? What was going on? Uh, and unlike uh, unlike the three of us, uh, as Antonio said, I don't think they're going to get 20 minutes in and then be like, I don't care how long it is. It's just, <laughs> I'm just enraptured by the character work. They're, they're, I think they might be disappointed. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, if you watch, if you, you know, if you're into murder mysteries and true crime and crime fiction, all that sort of stuff, but you really like it for the follow along, try to solve it with the detective. This is not, this is going to frustrate you because it doesn't have that sort of reveal of like, like, let's check. Like, it, it doesn't sort of imply we're going to slowly give you clues and then we'll check your answers at the end. Right. Um, so if you really, if that's the main thing that you main joy that you derive from watching something that's about crime and murder and, and, and law and order type stuff, then, then this is probably not going to, it's going to just throw you for a loop most likely. But if you are really into sort of the courtroom drama part of it, right, and just people arguing back and forth about a case, then I'd say this is like just delicious. It's just, and there's so and it's just like really indulgent because that like a majority of the two and a half hours I want to say takes place in the courtroom, and and I never was bored for a single second. You know, I never thought like oh like they're just still talking the lawyers are still talking like i was just on the edge of my seat the entire time so so yeah i think that's that's maybe the part the way to pitch it yeah i think that's a great point of it as a courtroom drama and not necessarily a a, a mis- you know murder mystery yeah um there's no sort of yeah agatha christie unpacking about like what what you know and yeah like you said check your notes uh against the last two pages i will i will also say that it's possible that you know a subsection maybe is the sort of we kept talking about it amongst each other as like a true crime movie. I feel like it's more in line with some true crime documentaries and documentary series where, you know, the filmmakers go in kind of being just like, yeah, we don't really know what happened and we're just going to try to present like this narrative or it's like, we know the sort of outcome of the legal proceeding, but like, we still want to present like what's going on, like what actually was like underlying all of this. Uh, And if that's something that appeals to people, I think, think they got, they might you know eat well with this movie they they might sort of feel like this is playing to it uh, an element that i do want to note and i want to try to be uh careful about spoilers because it's something from uh pretty deep into the movie um there is like an animal endangerment scene that is uh pretty unsettling uh, I it's hard to again hard to give any more uh, details about it, but I think that there are people that are just sort of like you could line up uh, a bunch of people and mow them down, and I don't care. But like we talked about this in our uh, episode about the, the creator, where m- many people are uh, murdered or blow up, um, but there's uh, you know a couple of dogs in the creator that look like they're going to be in trouble, and everyone's like, "What? No." <laughs> Like, I won't stand for this. So, you know, that's something to be aware of. It is, uh, it's, it, it is, it is a unflinching sequence uh, in terms of what happens uh, in it. So if, if that's something that, like, makes you gun shy about something, potentially, we, we, we won't get into it pre-spoiler mode, uh, but it's, it is something that might be enough to say, like, if I knew someone that, that had the, I can't handle animal, 
you know, issues and animals in, in trouble, I would potentially like say, double check before you watch this movie, because there's, there's something in here that you're not going to be able to handle. That's a really good call. Yeah. I would say that it's not, it's not like what you're talking about is not cheap or kind of gratuitous at all. It is very powerful, but it's one of those things that if you are, you know yourself well enough that you're not going to be able to handle watching anything regardless of how good and gripping it is. Right. Um, that that's it's not it's not for you and we were so cavalier before we started recording about spoilers like the and our ability to avoid them and now it's very clear that we are not prepared <laughs> for <laughs> navigating spoilers in this film antonio was correct to answer, ask about that before we started so so well done so the the critic critical discourse around this in terms of the oscars race has very much been like oh but this one has more broader audience appeal Right. It's more com- I've heard even heard the phrase it's more commercial than a lot of other films that might end up being its competitors in the Oscar race. And and so, you know, I think the debate goes either way, like some some critics and podcasters I've heard say that's going to help push it into some of the bigger categories. And and I've heard the co- the opposite argument of, oh, that's actually going to have people like dismiss it for kind of more arts, like arts, more art house films. And so. I want to get your thoughts on this. Like where do, cause I feel like it's kind of a moving target. We've already had a conversation where we're like, well, it's like really, really appealing for, for people who aren't normally into artsy films. But on the other hand, it does have these elements that like might alienate them if they think they're getting one thing, but they get another. So what do we think about that in terms of, in that Oscars context of like how much, how, how well this will play to a bigger audience? I, I think it's pretty accessible, right? I mean, I think that the, that the familiar aspects of it, I mean, well, first of all, you know, the French legal system is different. I'll talk about that a little bit, right, later. But um, you know, part of part of it is a fascination of like looking at another legal system. But there's enough that's familiar about about courtroom and enough intrigue about a dead body, right? That um, I mean, look, there, like you, if you turn on the TV, like half the shows like start with a dead body in the first 15 minutes, right? So so there's something um, that I think again, is very accessible about like the, the way that the story begins. And, and I think for the typical sort of like Oscar voter, I think that the, the, the fact that it's, that it rewards you with more than what you expect, I think is only to its credit. So in terms of like, cause broad appeal is a little bit different than like Oscar, how, how, how much Oscar appeal it has. Right. Cause those are, those are, those are sort of different audiences. I think it has broad appeal in as much as like, when when the movie opened, right, it it uh, it it started with just this question. It, it directed you to a website like did she do it <laughs> dot whatever, right? Um, and that yeah, there you go. Did she do it, right? I'm holding <laughs> up my postcard. A postcard I snagged at the screening, and it just says, "Did she do it?" Across an image of the dead body lying in the snow, and then the wife, the wife and the son standing over it. And so yeah, I feel like there's a natural intrigue and kind of interest that's generated by that exactly Uh, the potential drawback is are there going to be more people who might go and check it out but then they're going to be like well i didn't like that because it isn't (laughs) it isn't like they're sort of pulling in people from like yeah yeah like you you like murder mysteries right come come over here and then they get there and they're like oh like again it's uh, hopefully you'd like to think that there'd be oscar voters that would that many Oscar voters would respond to, wow, deep character work and really trenchant insight into the human condition and interpersonal relationships. 
but based on those articles that always come out about the the uh, the, the anonymous Oscar ballots, yeah. I could see a bunch of people just being like, I don't know, they never really the, the courtroom case didn't even go anywhere. Like, what was yeah, happening? Like, yeah, people being like, well, did she do it or did she not? I don't know. Like, and that yeah, and that being kind of a, a that framed as like a negative as opposed to a positive. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's yeah it's interesting and and I feel like so what the, everyone needs to do is listen to us. And 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 so we can we're because we're help we're doing the the good work of managing people's expectations. So yeah, that's that's really the solution. It's just don't remember don't 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 forget to share links of the podcast to all of your friends on your socials. <laughs> links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Right. Um, all right. So I think anything you would say about this movie could fit. I think in theory, in the rhetorical situation. So because of that, we've sort of moved that section up and we want to start there because I think that's just the best way to kind of dig into what makes this movie. So all the things we're saying about it, that's great. Like, so why is it so elevated and kind of like doing something more complicated, more interesting, doing all this character work? Like, I think the rhetorical situation could really help us crack what that is. The rhetorical situation in which we look at a film through the lens of our academic experience. So in the teaching of writing, the rhetorical situation refers to any contextual factors that influence composing and interpretation. And I think with this film, this leads us to how do the academic context that we might occupy, and there there are a few, so that's why I'm being intentionally vague about that, to be inclusive uh, and all-encompassing. Uh, how, might, how might those contexts that we have and we bring to this influence our viewing of the film? I'll, I'll start. I, I, I'll talk later um, about... French, the French legal system and, and that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about something in my classroom. So I teach legal writing, right? I'm a lawyer. I, I'm the star Jones of the panel. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, and every semester I um, assign like a, a case, like a, a fact pattern and law to apply to that case. And students have to grapple with the case and, and determine how they think, what, the, what they think the outcome should be based on the law and based on the facts that I've given them. And at the end of the assignment, after everyone's turned everything in, I always get like from a few students the same question, which is like, okay, we, we did the assignment, we turned it in. What, how do you think it should go? Who do you think should win? In this fictitious case, right? Who do you think should win? Because they want there to be a right answer and they want to know whether their instincts align with what I think the right answer is. And I know a student is fit to be a lawyer when they both stop caring what I think about the outcome of a case and also when they stop caring too. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that <laughs> to say that every lawyer has to be ambivalent about the outcomes of like the justice system, but being an effective advocate means being able to separate what you want to happen from what your job is, which is to present the best argument on your client's behalf and to anticipate the best argument on the other side. So I started with the quote, I didn't kill him. That's not the point. And, and I love it because it's funny <laughs> and because it's also about as lawyerly an observation as you're mm. going to see in film. Yeah. And her, her lawyer, his name is Vincent. I want to say maybe, Correct. or is that the it is Vincent. I, I couldn't remember if that was the character's name or the actor's name. He is like he fits that description to a T. Like he that and that's what makes him so compelling as both a lawyer and a character in in the film, I think, is because he's so good at being like, no, 
personal feelings or my personal judgment or sort of like that is totally I'm putting that in a box and locking yeah. it up. Right. And then he's just like, what is the perception yeah. game that's happening here? Right. And I think that's that's one of the things that makes it really I mean, I am always a sucker for movies that have smart people being good at what they do. And I feel like this is a really good example of that because on both sides, both of the lawyers are just like doing a really good job. <laughs> And they're very witty and smart and clever and like one upping each other in the courtroom and stuff like that. So I do feel like what this movie made me realize is that legal proceedings and being a good lawyer is so similar. And this makes perfect sense that now that Antonio teach is so good at both 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 lawyering and teaching writing uh, because there's there's so much overlap that I didn't really think about before in terms of like the rhetoric. And I feel like just the argumentation of the rhetoric in this movie it's just off the charts. Both of the lawyers, all the lawyers, anyone who's in the courtroom is doing excellent work. And and because they are really creating these like competing narratives, like to me, that's the most powerful thing about this movie is that there's so many different stories that are told using the same pieces of information um, in a way that is scary almost right it's because like as as you said like your students antonio want a right answer they want that sense of certainty you know i'd say there's one character in this movie in particular that is also in that position of really like craving like can't this just be cut and dry can't this just like can't there just be a binary choice then i know which one it is right but the movie refuses that wholly right like it's just like no it's all narrative it's all spin it's all kind of like rhetorical framing and and all that kind of stuff so i don't know did you did you did either of you feel feel the same way in terms of like that's sort of what this movie is showcasing yeah for sure i because i i feel like the points both of you made were uh, incredible and so i I, i'm worried about trying to follow them up but uh, i feel like the uh, you know, apart from sort of the central question of was this a murder or was this not a murder, uh, there's not a lot of disagreement about facts. There's about mm. it's more about what does it all mean. And so when those lawyer and maybe maybe the, that's going too far to say that, but you know, I, I I'm, I'm thinking of it from the context of uh, our our classrooms and sort of trying to engage with. Uh, students, and especially when it's uh, we're doing sort of first year classes, which is what I've been doing uh, lately. Uh, and so you have first year students, and they've been coming of age through a time where uh, I, mean, I don't want to say post truth is like an anti truth uh, environment where it's just sort of like, ah, uh, whatever, like everyone just has their own spin and everyone has their own facts, and it's fine. And they're, uh, I, you know, very. Uh, conscientious and aware about the problem that that creates. Uh, And and they sometimes uh, come in and overcorrecting and thinking like, well, I can't have an opinion or I can't show a perspective because that's that's bias. Like bias is uh, if I let myself sort of believe anything or feel anything uh, in, in in a weird way. It's like they're, they're the, um, little little proto versions of what Antonio was saying is the evolved version, but they kind of have to go through that. Like, but you should care first, uh, or you should in- engage with the fact that there is a perspective, and you know, you have it. You know, everyone has it. It isn't that everything needs to be unbiased. It's that you need to try to figure out what actually is the perspective and what's the what are people what meaning is being imbued into uh, the arguments and the and the, the stories that are being told, uh, and that is an 
another aspect that just seems to be infused in all of this, which maybe is inherent to an adversarial courtroom proceeding with a couple of attorneys uh, trying to do it. But even within outside of the walls of the courtroom, just the way people are interacting, it's all about sort of what are the stories that we tell uh, to uh, each other and to ourselves. And you know, wh- how do we build a truth out of that that can be radically different from what someone can build with the same sort of realities or the same sets of experiences. Right. It's like two students with, there's this standard exercise that our program uses for the first year writing course, the fact idealist. And so it would be like if the two, the st- two students had the same facts column, but then their ideas column, the conclusions they draw from those facts or extrapolate from those facts would be radically different, right? There's also like, and I'm trying to figure out how to say this without giving mild spoilers, but the fact that that the two, the husband and wife at the center of this movie are both writers and fiction writers, right, is, is kind of the understanding. Um, I feel like there's a inter- really interesting parallel. I won't I won't get into specifics about what the parallel is or how it's drawn, but there's a really interesting parallel between like how we analyze a piece of fiction and how we interpret a piece of fiction and how we're interpreting this this set of circumstances and these facts, right? And I think that's very intentional and very provocative, right? To be because we because I think as a society we want to feel secure that like, you know, fiction is just whatever and can be crazy and 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 wild and and is unreliable and that's fine and then but we have but we have facts and we have the law right but this movie just totally blows that idea out of the water and it's like no it's all it's all this like narrative game um and and how do, yeah like i liked your your phrasing pt of like constructing a truth out of these like pieces um so yeah i mean in general like what do you feel like this film is saying about that maybe that maybe that's too spoilerly maybe we gotta save that for spoiler mode but which is where the where this was originally the google doc and then pt thought and it makes total sense pt thought to move it to to this section because because thematically it's so keyed into what we're already talking about here but what do we think the themes takeaways like what's this movie trying to say Well, before we do that, <laughs> um, can, I I, um, I think <laughs> uh, I, I I'd like to talk about the, the the difference between the French legal system and the American legal system because I think part of of um, part of my answer to this question um, stems from the differences in how how the courtrooms operate. Um, mm. and I think it's useful, it's useful anyway to, to talk about like the, the differences. Right. So, um, first of all, I'm not an expert in like French law. Like I, I, I did what PT did. I just like looked it up <laughs> and then, um, and, uh, and so, and I, I've tried to find a reputable source for it. So I'm, so this might not be totally right, but, um, but here are the things that are sort of idiosyncratic, um, from my perspective, and, and my familiarity with like the American court system. So the way that trials work in, in, in the American system, right? You have a judge, and then if you have if it's a jury trial, you have the judge and you have the jury, and the jury it, um, are the finders of fact, right? They're the ones who determine if a crime occurred. They're the ones who determine if a witness is credible and like and and make the ultimate determination of like guilt or innocence, right? In a murder trial, and that and the judge in those circumstances just 
um, basically is a gatekeeper of like what the jury sees, right? And so that you make a lot of arguments to the judge about like, we, we need this evidence, this witness, you know, you see all these objections because the jury shouldn't hear this and that this, this is not proper testimony or whatever, right? Um, so American trial is shaped very much by procedure, especially evidentiary procedure. And French trials, at least based on my very rudimentary research and this movie, <laughs> um, what what they have a panel where judges and the jury, like they sit together, right? And they decide the case together. Um, uh, they decide facts and they and the judge informs law, but but the but the judge is part of the fact finding process. Um, but but the result of this, is that um, in terms of the way that the trial operates, which was very unfamiliar and very novel and very fascinating to me, was that that at any given point, just like it seemed like anyone could talk, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you know, like in, in an American trial, it's you have the witness on the witness stand and then the lawyer starts and then the other lawyer can say objection. But if like, you know, the defendant who's supposed to be sitting there says like, he's lying, then you're going to be in contempt, right? The judge is going right. to put them in yeah. contempt and whatever, right? But here, you know, a witness is talking and then the defendant's just like, well, let me interject. That just, you, you, that doesn't happen in American court. So what my... My takeaway from what what from from why this is the way that it is is that because the judge is um, is more active in sort of the fact finding process and in like asking questions directly of witnesses and of the parties um, that that they become the sort of like gatekeeper um, through the whole process. So instead of the rules right being the being the thing, it's it's just the judge. Right, the judge, at least in this trial, right, is the is the same as like judges in like American trials, which is just like you know every 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 American judge in a in a movie or TV show they'll they'll just like something weird will happen and then there'll be an objection and then they'll say I'll allow it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it seems like the whole French system is just like an I'll allow it system, right? Where right. just everything everything can happen. They get That's to just see a everything. Order. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a whatever. <laughs> and then um and there aren't there's not much that's excluded from their view, but then the judge and jury get together and then they sort of just determine based on just like everything, right? And so the reason why I think this is important in, in sort of determining the the meaning of the film is because um is because maybe it is a maybe it is properly a procedural. It's just not a procedure that we're totally familiar with. So because it's this sort of freewheeling thing, it actually lends itself to this theme about, um, about how complicated truth can be, right? Um, and, and, you know, because in the American system and in American trial movies, it's one narrative versus another narrative, right? Whereas here, it doesn't feel quite like that, right? It feels like we're just getting like layers and layers and layers of like life and some things that seem immediately relevant to like the, the central issue and some things that, that seem more ancillary or but maybe important, but that's what brings us further and further away. I feel like as we're, as we're, as we're watching into sort of like certainty about like the ultimate outcome. Right. And I think that that's, I mean, that's part of the point uh, of it. Right. At, at a certain point, um, 
you know, the, the Sandra Hewler or her name is Sandra in the, in the, in the film too, right? Yeah. The, Sandra Voitner, I think is yeah. her name in the film. Yeah. At a certain point, a witness is talking and, and she says something to the effect of like, you know, what you're saying, um, you know, you make it sound a certain way, but you know, I could have a, a, a witness here um, who could, who could talk on my behalf and who would, who would talk to me through this experience too. And they would have a very different story to tell. What you're saying is just a part Right, um, it's it's just a part of a bigger whole, and and I feel like that's a recurring sort of observation um, in the film um, that um, that invites us, sort of chides us for looking for the sort of simple answers, and that that instead um, forces us to look at the complexities of these people and of these circumstances, which is just much more interesting than I think that central question. I love hearing your perspective on it, Antonio, because the the intertwining both in, in that in our in our legal corner segment and also earlier where the sort of intertwining of like what attorneys are aiming to do and and how it reflects your experience uh in in that field uh because i hadn't really spent too much time thinking about how this could be a commentary on the law period that like any courtroom proceeding is inherently going to just be building certain you know these little segments of narratives and and there's never the whole truth like that the the, the speech that you uh did a good job of uh keeping it uh, vague uh referencing but that speech the defendant gives in the in the courtroom at one point feels so central to the whole movie because it is sort of you know this like that's like that, that, that's your truth there's another aspect of truth it's only a part of like the real full picture the real story you know maybe that's just all any legal proceeding can be and maybe the you know beyond being a sort of study of life and a study of characters that there's also a sort of critique that maybe at least for me being separate from any legal process and certainly completely separate from the french uh, system. Uh, maybe I didn't fully pick up on that, but now that you're talking about it, it starts to feel like that could also be an element in the story or in the movie. It really is a testament to the rhetorical situation. I don't mean the segment on our show. I mean the actual concept of the rhetorical situation because they're really, it's like a war of contexts, right? Because the lawyer, the, the prosecutor is trying to create a particular context through which it makes sense that she murdered her husband, right? Whereas she her point is like this none of this is getting at the totality of it and she's provide trying to provide alternative context to be like well actually like <laughs> this is what happened the day before or like this is you know or at, like she has a way of explaining and i think it, it comes down especially to people arguing over the the psychology or psychological state of the husband right where she's like you don't you you weren't living with him day to day this is what i understood about him that may, that is not coming across in whatever argument you just made and so i feel yeah i feel like it's through the whole film my brain just kept kind of stretching and contracting to be like wow like if we just like re it's just constantly frame zooming in and zooming out and reframing everything to look at it from a different angle um but at no point did i feel like the film was telling us that that was reason to give up on trying to find the truth right and i feel like what's actually really shocking about the film is that even though it, it withholds any sort of quote unquote clear answers about what actually happened it does give a sense of closure and i feel like it's sort of telling us like well that's just life like that's just you know we have to go with what we have and you have to construct like like the fact that a construction of truth is inevitably flawed or subjective doesn't mean that like 
a people can just do whatever <laughs> right um with this which is what a post-truth perspective would be right like to be like well like there is no such thing as truth so who cares like i'll just make up stuff and say that it's true right that's where but so i think but i feel like this film is not saying that right it's not being like let's just it's like let's just throw everything out the window because everything is subjective anyway but it's actually saying like no like we just have to do we're just doing the best we can with what we have but but we also have to accept that it's imperfect which i think was really powerful and that's especially through the character of the sun i feel like his storyline the way that it kind of it links up with these themes that we're talking about i thought was very powerful which I think is why we should now go to the spoiler section so we can talk about it. That's true. Can I, can I, I say, and this concludes Legal Corner Sorry. with Antonio. <laughs> oh, oh, rela- okay. <laughs> I'm going to do it again just one more time. Yeah, so good. Um, that was actually incredibly easy to find on the internet, <laughs> which I guess shouldn't have was, been that surprising. There, there was some conspiring to do that. It was before you ever mentioned Law and Order uh, in the episode that that was that was uh, cooked up earlier today. That, yes. like, that should be the sound effect intro. That's great. And outro. All right. So yeah, we are about to go into spoiler mode. It's it's it very quickly became tough to not cite exam specific examples from the film that might not be huge twists or spoilers, but still we want to preserve everyone's viewing experience and, and so they can go in clean and fresh. Uh, so we, yeah, if you have not seen anatomy of a fall, go see it. And well, yes, first of all, go see it. It's a great movie and rejoin us for the rest of this conversation. I like how this music makes spoilers seem like a party. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're we're reclaiming spoilers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, spoilers it's fun. Are, spoilers it's are fun. fun. <laughs> it's fun to have seen this movie because it was good. It might feel different <laughs> if we're talking about a movie that we end up not liking. Where it's just sort of like Oh, that's true. Yeah, what a party <laughs> to have seen Green Book or whatever. Oh. Oh, you gotta bring that up. Okay. All right. So the most the biggest spoiler of all. We got to get it out of the way. Got to flip up my card again. Did she do it? What are our thoughts? Do we have, and obviously like we just spent like a half an hour talking about how this movie rejects the idea that we need to have a concrete answer or whatever. But at the same time, you could, it's fun to come up with theories about what you think happened and why. Right. And, and actually I think part of the joy of discussing this movie now that we are in spoiler mode is like, that actually there are several several explanations that you could just like the lawyers that you could potentially mm-hmm. piece together based on the information that we get in the film. So who wants to go first? Did she do it? Should we just well, share I'll... our votes of yes or no and then kind of expound? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to vote no. I'm going to vote no. So when we originally saw this, I said no. <laughs> I'm voting no because your argument pers- right after the movie persuaded me, which we were going to do. Because, because, yeah. No, no, no. I came up with another explanation and I refrained from texting you dramatically because I wanted to save it for this podcast. I love it. So, I mean, just for the sake of podcasting. Courtroom reveal. Jen is, Jen is. Go ahead. Empty the courtroom. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) We must enter this new evidence, new evidence. Um, So, so I'm going to say yes, not only for good podcasting, because both of you said no, but because (laughs) when I was walking, okay, so let's give some context to the listeners. When we walked out of the theater, we also discussed this, right? We, we couldn't help ourselves. Of course. And I said, well, Snoop says that she didn't do it. Because the mm-hmm. final scene, the final shot of this film 
is her lying down to go to bed. And in which room? Is it in the husband's office? I can't actually tell because we never see the. I or thought it was in room? the room where she was supposed to have been napping, where she claimed okay, she it. was napping. That's what got I thought, it. but I don't. No, you're right. I don't know if we saw it before. Yeah, I feel like I didn't recognize it because I think they they very purposely didn't show us <laughs> like like the the incident or whatever. So that she lies down, relieved. She's just been acquitted, right? The movie it's all over, and the dog jumps up, and she rolls over and hugs the dog, and it's like. I initially interpreted that as, oh, the dog's still cool with her and knows because animals just know. <laughs> um, they are much more emotionally intelligent than humans. She, they, he just knows that she didn't do it and, he's, and, and Snoop's happy that she's home, right? So to me, that was some kind of confirmation that she did not do it. However, later when I got home and I was thinking about it, I remembered that there are two dog metaphors in this movie. One is her lawyer, Vincent, tells her she looks like a noble dog. And initially, it's like funny because she she's like, are you call, are you seriously calling me a dog right now? And he's like, no, 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 like a beautiful dog. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> I don't remember what type of dog, like a, a basset hound or something like that. It's yeah. Something like that. He's, and it's not it doesn't help. It doesn't help his case at all. He's great in the courtroom, not not necessarily off <laughs> out of the courtroom. He's got, uh, he's got legal room. game, but not game game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and and so. Okay, so there's that, but then there's also arguably the most important plot moment of the film where the son is doing his second and final testimony, revealing the story. You know, we can debate whether or not it, it actually happened, but he tells the story to the court of how one time he now remembers that one time when they were taking the Snoop to the vet, right, the, the, the father gives this speech of like, you know, Snoop might die just one day and you're just going to have to be ready for that. Like, and, and then he says, I now realize that he was talking about himself and then he was going to kill himself. Right. And that, that in, you could argue that turns the tide of the case. Right. And gets his mom acquitted. You could, I, it's not definitive like anything in this movie, but I, then I realized, wait, so the dad is the dog or she's the dog. Like, and then it was like so much more complicated, like what the what the significance of the dog hopping up on the bed was. Because then I was like, oh wait, the dog has replaced him. She did it. She killed him, and now she has the dog. And it was it, everything crumbled. It was really I was in a state of crisis. <laughs> <clears throat> I like it. I mean, I I think it's fair to say there isn't if if there is a, an answer for like what happened or what didn't you know it's maybe this is a weird comparison it's sort of like what did bill murray whisper in scarlett johansson's ear in lost in translation it's like there probably there is an answer but like it's the intent is for us to never know like who if they have decided the filmmakers the actress uh, i think that that sandra um huller said i like i don't know like i have I, I still don't know for certain one way or another but if uh you know if, if the film the screenwriters and director have an answer they're never going to say so you know that's fair that said your original uh dog argument persuaded me and your new dog argument has not changed my mind so i'm still <laughs> okay all right sure i, I will say I this just... i i i actually so i said because we had our sort of initial instincts at the end right and i thought like okay no, I don't think I don't think that she did it. But but there's a but there's a big part of me that kind of wants her to have done it, <laughs> right? That that finds that I that finds her more fascinating if she did it, right? And there the evidence that I will go to 
for like, because for most of the movie, I thought that she'd done it, right? And um, and so there's this old sort of like platitude about like people after they're arrested, right? When they're guilty, if if they're if they're innocent, they're nervous, right? And they're sort of fidgety and whatever because like they don't know what's going on and it's really uncertain. But if you're guilty, you're calm, right? Now, obviously, this that doesn't always whatever. But her throughout the movie, throughout the whole ordeal, for most of it, is pretty calm, right? Um, and 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 there were moments even when. Um, when she's laughing, right? When she's just, when she seems sort of happy and just really relaxed. And so to me, that was a sort of signal. And maybe it's just a signal from just like American, you know, movies where that, that happens. Right. Um, but, um, but that, that seems sort of, that seems sort of telling to me. So the alternative, if she didn't do it, is that he committed suicide, right? Because there's no indication that there's anyone else who could have been involved in the situation. Right. And to me, that's a less unless you're the internet, and then you think the sun did it. No, I don't think the sun did it. I, I, the, I think the, that, that's that I will not I allow counsel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I don't think that either. But I'm just saying that yeah. that there are people on the internet. Yeah, who have a, that's their theory. Okay. Okay. Because because well. he he because he has unreliable testimony about where he was when he heard them talking yeah and then the, the then he got mixed up so people are latching onto that part of it right and saying that's because he he is the one who he went back in the house and did it or whatever <laughs> and that's why he's he's kind of like yeah i don't agree with it i'm just saying yeah. i'm just saying no, no, i got it <laughs> do we have confirmation of snoop's location at the time of the fall where was the dog <laughs> ladies and gentlemen and others where was the dog <laughs> So, so wait, did all of us think she probably did it for most of the film? I really was going back and forth. Uh, and I, I, I felt like I was changing my mind less based on the testimony and more about what was going to make this the most interesting movie. Like what was going to make like the right choice where it was like, well, you know, I sort of initially it was, yeah, this movie is the more interesting if she did it and we're trying to sort of unravel it. And then as it was going on, it was, uh, oh, maybe it, it, you know, I kind of pivoted maybe like a third of the way through to it might be more interesting if she didn't, but like she basically has no way to really prove to prove that and, and has these other sort of problems. And she's this sort of in this Kafka esque scenario. Uh, so I was going back and forth on that when, when thinking about the evidence, uh, I, I, uh, you know, this is not a lawyerly brain, but a, a like a legal fiction uh, watcher brain. I was like, I didn't really get a good explanation from the prosecutor of, you know, the, 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 the counter to the blood spatter evidence, which again, I hope people in spoiler mode have watched this movie. Maybe this is getting too esoteric, but it was like, you know, Oh, like the, he might've gotten club. He would have gotten clubbed on the head. Um, and then the, the, from that, the one, from that wound, the blood, the blood spots, yeah that are on the shed underneath would have uh, come from that. Uh, and then he either like lumbered backwards and fell over or was pushed, probably was pushed. And then the uh, defense was like, but like, wouldn't someone have to be like, he'd have to be like fully leaned back. Like he'd have to be almost sort of bent over backwards for. Right. Well, and the assailant. And the assailant would have had to basically overpower him to do that, uh, to get him into that position. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it would have to be leaning over. So, you know, I never felt like there was a good counter to that. And then that was a good sort of traditional 
legal thr- thriller thing that uh, you know felt uh, and, and Antonio later confirmed. I think uh, that it was sort of like, oh yeah, the competing expert witnesses. Like that makes sense. Of oh no, for sure, this shows that the evidence here shows that uh, it was a murder, and someone else is like, oh, the evidence here clearly shows it was a suicide, and or, or you know at least it was a a, 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 I don't know, a fall that wasn't caused by someone else, and. You know, I I felt like that was really more the the, the suicide slash fall uh, argument. There was a lot more persuasive. So at that point, I was like, okay, I don't think she did it. And then I was sort of in that lane until the end. And then Jen was like, "What about dogs?" And I was like, "You're right. I believe in dogs." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I think I wanted her to be innocent because I feel like to go back to your tar comparison, which I feel like. I mean, no, but she was actually a bad person. So maybe that's not a great comparison. But no, no, but you mean like, so my point is that I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but the tar comparison in terms of the types of characters they are makes a lot of sense because they're not warm and fuzzy, genial, personable women. And I feel like to me, a big part of this movie that's really interesting is that her personality and her gender by way of her personality or like her gender relationship to her personality are as much on trial as anything else. And that, that the fact, cause I feel like the, the fact that she seems so calm the whole time, people are like, Oh, she's clearly a sociopath. Right. <laughs> but, and, and like, why is she so harsh as a woman? Like, why is she being so like, you know, unkind or like what, what or cold when she's actually not really, you know what I mean? It's just because people's expectations of, of the way she responds to things makes them conclude a certain thing. And I feel like that was really pronounced when they uncover that recording, right? Because when we see that scene, and this is partly why Sandra Hewler's uh, performance is so incredible, is that she seems so even keeled despite having all these accusations from her husband being hurled at her. Right. And, and she's so mad. Her personality is very like matter of fact, where she's like, no, like this, you did this to yourself. Like, and she has a good good counter argument for every point that he's making, right? And I feel like in the courtroom, it seemed like the response to that was, "Oh, so she did it. Like this is inc- this is incredibly incriminating." But to me, as a viewer of the movie, I could see no, like they're just they're they're there's prejudice against her personality type here, in a, and 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 combined with her gender, right? Like if she were were this way and she were a man, I feel like it wouldn't be as questionable but the fact that she's a very successful woman very ambitious right and her she's a little chilly in her persona automatically people are like oh she did it (laughs) right and i think that's really problematic um and i feel like this movie is trying to like point to the fact that that might be really problematic um and so because that but that interpretation and that kind of like theme only works i think if she didn't do it you know what i mean Mm. like or or if like you know I mean, it might be that's the answer something in between where like she's lying, but she didn't actually murder him. You know what I mean? Like she's lying because they did have a fight and he fell out the window. Right. Like there was a tussle and like she didn't mean to push him out the window, but he fell out the window or something like that. It might, you know, but so she's like arguably to blame, but not as like not in the legal sense. And that's what she's covering up or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that some some middle ground might actually be the answer, um, but we'll never know. And that's the point. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does get caught in lies in the course yeah. of, the, of the of the of the of the film, right, right? about her and, wrist. Yeah, about her wrist, like how she was how she was injured. Um, and what's interesting is that, like, 
you know, in an American trial, an American trial and an American trial like movie, um, you know, credibility is a big thing, right? And so if you when you when you establish that someone has lied, it's almost like, okay, why would you lie unless you're guilty, right? I don't know if this is this is just because of the nature of the of the sort of French free for all <laughs> sort of proceedings or or what, but but what what I found sort of interesting was that was how sort of quickly and easily we sort of accept like, yeah, she lied. But but she didn't lie. But but lying doesn't necessarily mean guilty of murder, <laughs> right? It's just because humans lie, right? And then she gives her explanation, and it's a very reasonable explanation um, as to why she did what she did. But then to go back to like Jen's point earlier about like she's a fiction writer though, right? Like she's very good at like coming up with fiction and and with explaining things. So um, so I think that 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 complicates. Um, her answers a little bit because she's she's an expert at sort of you know lying, and so when she gets caught in it, but it doesn't, but it's not that it seems like it's not that big of a deal. We just sort of like move on. I don't know. To me, it, it was interesting because that moment in a in, in the American equivalent of this movie looks a lot different. Hmm. Yeah, that was also interesting because the and it's I think fair to say the centerpiece scene of the whole movie is when it's like, we're playing this tape of that was, or the, this, this footage, not a physical tape, but uh, a, a digital recording of the fight they had the day before the husband died. And we like leave the courtroom and watch it being uh, enacted uh, and sort of seeing the movement of how they're doing and how it builds and the sort of ebb and flow of their anger and, and accusations and, and how all that, is is uh progressing until it gets to the point where a glass is thrown and breaks like there's yelling and there's clearly signs of some sort of physical struggle and then we cut back to the courtroom and we don't really see what happens and there's there is a little bit of different explanations of what it meant Uh, it, it felt like the prosecution was pretty comfortable with just sort of like now we can You'll, you're going to have to say, like Antonio just just noted, that this bruise on your arm wasn't from walking into a kitchen counter, but it was from this this incident. And it was like, yeah, okay, I guess that happened. And then it was, oh well, he gets mad. He would get mad, and he would like hit himself and then punch uh, punch a wall, which sounds completely believable as a course of action. But it was interesting. There wasn't a lot of like sort of pushback of like, are we like we only have like sure, there's holes. In, in photographs of, of like your know, dents in walls from someone hitting it. But like, there was never more of a push of like, were you hitting, like, were you assaulting your husband? And that's why he grabbed you. You know, there was, they didn't seem to dig into that too much, which felt like, again, maybe this is bad uh, TV procedural courtroom drama expectations, but it was like, Oh, well, why wouldn't they? Thank you. Um, uh, why, counselor, why wouldn't they have set up, <laughs> Uh, uh, more of a narrative of, you know, she was physically abusive and that's, it, it got, it just progressed the next day instead of sort of, it felt like settling for she had been physically intimidated and then like rose up the next day and, and did something. I think a little bit of this, I, again, this is just my very brief research on French legal procedure. I think that 
that the examination procedure is a little bit different in France in that it's not like just this complete back and forth with lawyer and witness. Because judges are fact finders themselves, it's often judges who are asking questions too. And then it and then it becomes this again, like this sort of like free-for-all where like lots of people end up talking. So it is more difficult, I think, for an attorney in the system to sort of build that kind of narrative in the way that you're talking mm. about. Right. Um, because sure. you have all these other intervening parties and and, and right. ultimately the judge who's sort of in charge. Right. There, and there's so many more opportunities to counter argue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, the other thing I was going to say to bring it back to the rhetorical situation super briefly is that, so, uh, you know, a thing we're always harping on for our students is reasoning. Right. Like you have to provide reasoning and support. You can't just say something is true. You have to actually explain why and how it is true. And I feel like just every character and this gets like is like a level reasoning, <laughs> like because then this, this goes back to what PT was talking about. You know, something as simple as why did you lie about your wrist, right? She even even Sandra gives like a perfectly reasonable explanation, right? Um, the expert witnesses are c- crafting entirely different stories based on this the same evidence, and each one is equally convincing, right? Because they're providing and they're this the the. And, and oh, yeah, this is what I was going to say. So in that final scene, I feel like the prosecutor says like what we what you you both were saying earlier is that he's using this as evidence that there's a ramp up like right. Like this was the, the rehearsal, I think is the word that they use for the murder, whereas the defense lawyer is arguing the exact opposite. But it makes as much sense. Right. Because he's like, no, this was this was his last. And it's very eloquent the way he says it. Like it's this is his last it's despair. You hear despair in his voice in the recording. And like, this is his last attempt to assert some kind of regain some control in their relationship. And then he realized that it was futile and then killed himself the next day, you know, like, and, and both of those stories make sense <laughs> in the way they explain them. Yeah. And I, I think yeah, to again, maybe continually tie back to the rhetorical situation, it feels like a lot of the movie is about how we construct narratives for ourselves to try to understand our lives and what we are doing and how things have unfolded. And, and also that extends to other people where it's just sort of like, okay, that's what happened over there. Okay, good. Like I, that makes sense to me. I, I can, I can get my arms around it by having this narrative of this was the sequence and this was the thought patterns. Uh, and I think that it does a really good job of showing that all these different narratives can be built or at least, you know, two or three major uh, competing narratives can be built at the same time in the same way that, you know, one of the, that sort of evidence thing of, oh, well, you, you plundered his idea. And it's like, she's like, well, he had this like concept and he did it one way and I did it another way. And I actually did it cause he didn't complete it, but he could have still done it and it would just be his version of it. And that's fine. Like that would have been welcome. And we could have like sold that and we could have made yeah. that work. And, you know, that as a nice little metaphor for, this like how we get by in life and and also how we get by in a society when we're trying to figure out what happened when someone dies and and there's a court proceeding or an investigation uh we're all just sort of tell trying to f- build a story that makes sense to us right and that, that we fictionalize our own lives sort of compulsively right because we have the hu- the way she counters the psychologist or the therapist's 
testimony is by saying, well, that's 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 how he rationalized his victimhood to himself. And of course, talking to you, his therapist, that's how he would have presented it. But that's just what he, the narrative he's created for in his own mind to kind of confront and cope with his own failure. Right. Um, and then conversely, like the. <clears throat> The, her the the when they and this is the thing i i didn't want to spoil in the in earlier but the way they bring her fictional works in as evidence and start like talking about it as if it's evidence, which like which even for the french court people are like raising their eyebrows like all right what are you doing like are you sure you want to do that like these are novels they're not like they're not uh memoirs right but the argument the argument that the the prosecutor is making is no, it doesn't make a difference, right? This there's truth in this because this is Sandra's way of dealing with and coping with the narrative she the fictional narrative she's constructed to deal with her own life's tragedies, right? Because he goes through all of her books are about a different tragic thing in her life. Um and that like, you know, may not be 100% true, but there's truth in it. Uh, I think was his point, right? That like there's something about her psychology that is that that can be unlocked by reading the, her books. Um, which seems really unfair on the one hand, but then also has a certain type of logic to it on the other. A random detail that feels kind of connected to th this train of thought uh, that was, for some reason, has just been hanging out in the back of my mind is there's, I think it's only two times, it might be three, that we, we the audience, sort of are, are brought to or, or cut to a TV news reporter uh, that's going to give some sort of like update about what's happening in the trial. And both times it like cuts to them like five to 10 seconds before the report's actually going to start. So they're sort of like in this weird kind of like liminal space of like, they're kind of like thinking in their brain, like what they're going to do mm -hmm. or like, you know, kind of looking at their notes and stuff and then like responding to, you know, the action uh, from the cameraman or that they're, they've been listening in an earpiece to an anchor somewhere. And there's something really interesting that felt like to me of like, there's not, you know, there's, there's some other scenes of media, like interviews and, and panel discussions that are, are presented, but this sort of, you know, this, when, when we get a, a, you know, information to us from a news media, it isn't, well, here's just like a piece of truth that existed out in the world, but like someone was there like waiting to sort of have their moment to tell the story and not that they're making it up or whatever, it's all fake news or anything like that, but just that it is just another element, another aspect yeah. of trying to uh, take what pieces people know and can see and are aware of and put it together in a shape that makes sense as truth or reality when you know, they probably don't have enough because how can you know someone's entire life? So when we were, this is going to be a question. I'm not going to talk for a lot because I've been talking a lot. The, earlier we were talking in terms of, did she do it? I think some of us were answering in terms of what the film is cueing us to think as opposed to the actual evidence in the trial, which is super interesting. And so I wanted to ask both of you, what do you feel like the, camera's role is in this like is because traditionally in a film like this i feel like the camera's job is to be like well what we're showing you what the camera's showing you is objectively true uh but i feel like that's a lot more complicated in this film because it almost does that a couple times but then i feel like i don't know so do you feel like 
the can yeah what is the what is the what are we seeing through the camera's eyes in this film I will just say it's another example of perspective. I mean, obviously that's, you know, inherently true. The camera has to be put somewhere in a, in a scene to, to, you know, there's an angle, there's a framing that has to be done, but you know, that it, it only can show us so much. And the, the, again, the choice is made to not the, we we were sort of joking about this at the uh, base as the credits were rolling, that there's like, the bad American remake of this has the sort of like last few minutes where we see the actual event as it like, you know, the truth. Um, all, all due respect to the last duel, a movie I liked, but having one segment that's the truth kind of undercuts the different perspective concept, the Rashomon of it. Uh, and, and I think the fact that the camera doesn't ever show us the truth that it sets us up to think one thing may be happening or maybe has happened in different contexts uh, I'm I'm thinking of you know there's times when uh, we it sort of cuts to uh, them the uh, the husband and wife fighting it's it's I think it's always from the son's perspective of like oh if I had gone upstairs and they were fighting and she pushed him over the edge this is what it would look like or if if I had gone upstairs and seen him jump out the window this is what it would have looked like and uh, but we also kind of get the there's that moment when he goes up to the little like the smaller window on like the the upper level, which there's their, their defense is sort of saying maybe he just tripped and fell out this window while he was working on something. And I mean, it, it felt palpable to me in the theater that everyone's like, Oh, the, the vision impaired child is going to fall out this window. It's like, very stressful. It's going to happen right now. Uh, and then the even worse of he, we see him poison a dog and he wakes up the next day and the dog looks very dead. Um, and then the dog isn't dead. That was, uh, you know, we, we're in the spoiler zone. We can say the dog survives. Um, but, uh, the dog looked very dead for a little while. So I think that, you know, we're, we're not getting misinformation, but we're getting um, very subjective uh, images through the camera, mm -hmm. which just underscores that the camera is only one angle in a sort of literal, but also metaphorical sense. I will say this. I think that she did it or was involved in it somehow, but the, but I don't think that the prosecution met its burden of proof, <laughs> right? Mm, so yeah. I think it's, I think the most probable, I, I, I didn't think that the most probable outcome was that this is the method by which this man chose to commit suicide. Right. Um, uh, it, 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 that didn't, that didn't seem um, to make sense to me. So um, I liked Jen, your sort of idea that like she, she was involved somehow, but it wasn't, maybe it wasn't quite as like duplicitous Um and we're just never going to know like the extent of her involvement in it and fine. Um, that seems more credible, but like no murder weapon, right? No, whatever. Um, there, there's just a lot that's missing in the, in the, in it from a, from a legal standpoint. So, so to me, the outcome always seemed sort of foregone that, that, that's, that even yeah. absent the, 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 the child's testament, which I agree is sort of like it, the, the turning point of the, uh, or it's 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 framed as sort of the turning point. Um, but if I were if I were the judge, if I were if I were the jury, it, it would seem like uh, I, I did look up burdens of proof um, for for criminal trials in France too, and, it, and it's similar here, right? I'm not I'm not sure what the framing if it's not if it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. I don't know if that's the exact phrasing, but but there is a presumption of innocence um, in, in France too. So, hmm. why? 
I was about to take us in a slightly different direction. No, that's fine. That's fine. Well, okay. So the, the, I have two things. Like well, the last thing I'll say about the camera is I feel like one of the most exciting things about this movie in terms of the camera work is the real, the interplay between sight and sound and how, you know, in that last climactic scene of the recording, right? Like PT was describing earlier, we get the re- visual re- cinematic reenactment almost as if it's about to show us, oh no, this is what really happened, right? That it sort of has that vibe to it. But then it cuts away at the key moment and reminds us that, no, 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 these characters in this courtroom, they only have an audio recording, right? They don't have the visual confirmation. They weren't there. And then there was, as far as I can understand, there wasn't a video, right? Um, And so that leads me to ask about the sun because I feel like there's a pivotal moment where the court caretaker says, you have to, you just have to decide. And he says, you mean I have to pretend like I know? And she's like, no, no, you have to decide. That's different. Right. Um, She says at some point you have to just with whatever you have, no matter how uncertain it makes you feel, you have to just decide what you think. Right. You have to just kind of, did she do it or did she not? Right. Uh, You have, even if you don't know, you have to decide. And, And I feel like there's so much through this trial that he learns about truth and decision-making. And that brings me to the question of why did he poison the dog? Cause I feel like that gets at that, this, this idea of like, what did he learn or like, what's, what did this all do to him? So why exactly does he poison the dog? Like, what does that accomplish? I or what's his it motivation? The, it scares the crap out of us. In the I mean, <laughs> and get, it, gotta, it gets a <laughs> solid, movie. It gets a solid third of the audience at the screening on campus to be prepared to turn on that movie. There was there was like palpable. Yeah, there was. You could hear the held breath. Yeah, like Uh, and and I think people were going to be like, "I'm out. I'm out on this whole movie. This is what has happened." Um, I mean, it's a it's a good question, and the uh, I'm going to say I don't know, and then talk for like three more minutes. Uh, But I, I don't know. You know, the, the it it makes I guess it makes sense on some level that you know if it is hard because it's sort of like well I don't know if I believe anybody's story here uh, and uh, I think this may have been alluded to earlier but we all immediately once the sort of you know it, that that sort of pivotal last minute uh, almost empty courtroom testimony from the son that after that weekend where he poisons the dog. Uh, where he's like, there was this trip to the vet and he was saying these things that we were all like, well, that never happened because of this conversation of you have to make a choice and he made his choice and it was, I'll, I guess I'll stick with my mom and like have her not go to jail. Um, so we, whatever, whatever I think happened uh, or whatever goes forward, that's the decision I am making. But, you know, if, if there really was at least like a, an instance, a time, a moment where the dog was sick and could the dog have been sick because it ate this uh, vomit from the father. Um, I also wondered if could it have been that the the father never took the aspirin, but the dog always like somehow got into it and then threw up and the, the, you know, our main, our main character, the wife thought like, Oh, this is my husband tried to kill himself. Um, But, you know, I also. It was Snoop all along. It was all, I mean, I need, I I still need to know Snoop's location at the time. (laughs) 
he's out with some blind kid. The kid doesn't know where where the dog is. Uh, the dog could have run away for he just swapped, five minutes. He swapped places with another dog. Yeah, yeah, he, that, yeah, he got he got a, <laughs> so, a, a backup dog in. For, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it. it I, I believe the sincerity of he thought that if he did this, it was going to show that what the mom had said was about the 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 uh, aspirin overdose uh, was true. And I think that, you know, th- that was sufficient to get him to the point where he was like, tell me what you think happened to the caretaker or tell me what I'm supposed to do about this. Where I kind of was feeling like he was leaning more towards, I think she did it because of all these things that are coming out. Uh, like this, this you know, he's kind of buying into the narrative, but he had this sort of one thing and he made this drastic, very calculated move of send the mom away so the mom can't be a part of it. The caretaker won't be paying enough attention. He can do this terrible experiment. Uh, and so I think that that is, you know, what what he was doing. But I think that it's, you know, if, if it has to mean something on a greater scale, it's something about like, you know, we're, how we're all stumbling around for truth. And sometimes in doing that, we we start doing things that are well against our, I don't know, our instincts are, makes us, I want to say monstrous, but doing two things that are, uh, you know, far from you know, what it seems like he would ever want to do. Well, I mean, think about what this kid, like this kid just lost his dad, discovered his dad and dead dad in the snow, saw his mother arrested, and then had all of this stuff revealed, right? In the course yeah. of that trial. That which seems is like he didn't know at all. That he didn't mm. know at all, right? And, you know, like a lot of these revelations about like the affair, she's bisexual, she's she she stole her husband's idea for a book, all of this stuff that like her son, I, you know, wasn't, wasn't privy to, um, like... Um, the way that it would it would play out in like an American trial, right, um, would would be these big dramatic sort of moments. The way that they happen here in the course of this trial, it's just sort of like, all right, right, like the, like we just learn this stuff, and it's just because people just you know are just having a conversation about it, and and so and 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 we often look at his face in the course of the trial, right, and he's calm, like through the whole thing, right. Um, yeah. But I think that that this moment when he when he's when when he he you know does this act right it shows just how like messed up <laughs> right like all of this is and it makes sense right um, but because we're so sort of fascinated by Sandra right and we're so focused on her right I, I think probably in the same way that she sort of like sucks up all the oxygen in like their family <laughs> right like in this story too. Right it's very easy to lose sight of like what's going on with the son. And like, if she is the murderer, like I was rooting for her to be the murderer because it was interesting. But then, then like, then I'm just like, I remembered like, Oh, like from a human being perspective, like <laughs> he's going to live with this woman for the rest of her life. Right. Who's and, 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 right. uh, and so what, hopefully what she's means. not a murderer. Yeah, hopefully she's not a murderer. Right. And then also like the revelations about the husband too. Right. And yeah. like, the dedication, because like you, Jen, pointed out after the movie about like the dedication that he had to his son. He homeschooled his son. You know, he had all of this guilt about this accident. You know, there, there's some interesting layers about his perspective, too. But we don't spend a lot of time with him. Right. Like this is my second favorite movie of the year. My first favorite movie of the year is Past Lives, which we talked about in an earlier podcast. 
But there are interesting parallels between these two movies, right? You're, you're, it's like the marriage of two writers and mm. um, well, that's kind of it, <laughs> right? right? Because <laughs> the marriage of two writers and-, and Two writers that are like sort of competitive or they're like sort of they're- competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sort of in past lives, very in <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall. There's yeah. also stories, narrative, like what what are the yeah. stories we tell ourselves? Stories, narrative. Yeah. Sure. You know, past lives, like and it, the marriage of these two writers in past lives is about like these two people whose like excellent communication becomes their sort of salvation and allows them to sort of like, you know, make it through this sort of challenge and and whatever. It's about love enduring. Whereas this is about two writers whose failures in communication spell the doom, both of their union and of like one partner altogether. Right. And it's about sort of love unraveling and getting really messy. Um, so I don't know, but, but I, I love both, both films and, 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 and I couldn't help thinking about like a song and like, and uh, the rest during, during this movie, even though they're just wildly, wildly different films. I think there's a lot that they're this film is saying in this couple and their dynamic about like writer's block and like because the thing that she very glibly like just mentions all the time is like I can work anywhere under any circumstances I can write right and that like how much that must have like needled Samwell right because he was having the opposite problem where he just like couldn't he never like he he would try to make time but then he wouldn't use that time well and then he feels like I just need more time. And she's like, that's not the problem. The problem is that you can't write. <laughs> um, right. Like she's like, she, she's like, you're just wasting your own time. Why isn't this easy? Like it's easy for me. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's her, that's probably her, which I can't believe I'm saying this because a lot of people in the movie think she murdered someone, but that's like her worst quality. <laughs> that she's so unable to, to empathize with his struggle as a writer. And that she's like, what's the big deal? You just, you just do it. <laughs> you, know right. what you, mean? You, you could just be doing it. Yeah. Uh, to go back to the sun real quick. I was thinking uh, uh, about this. There was something Antonio said, and now I don't remember what he said that made me think about it, but the sun, I guess we were saying that we don't really spend a lot of time with him. We don't get a lot of sort of uh, from his perspective, but one big sort of sequence is the, his initial, I don't want to say testimony, his initial, sort of, um, you know, what the information he gives to the police, which is, you know, where were you when, uh, you know, when you heard, overheard your parents talking to each other and he's like, hundred percent, I knew I was outside by the shed. And it's because there's these different pieces of tape that my dad put up, um, with different texture all around once we moved to this house. So I'd be able to identify where I was at any given time. Uh, and I, I would never make a mistake about that. And I absolutely don't know what's going on. And then they do a sort of a sound test with the loud music and he can't hear it outside. And so then he can only hear it when he's inside the door and he's like, Oh, I guess I made a mistake. And, you know, maybe it's that he's lying and you know, he's in, he knows that he's, uh, you know, covering up for something he's trying to get his mom uh, off the hook because he's worried about it. I, I, I never felt that was the motivation, but it, it felt like to me there was a, I have a clear definitive memory of what happened. And I know that, I know that truth. And from that moment on, all he's getting is just everything he thought of was true in his life being mm. ripped down and ripped up. Right. Uh, and so, cause like, that's all he gets in the courtroom is just more and more of that. Um, and, uh, and so then he poisons the dog. Uh, 
but like, you know, that I think that it's, it's some degree of reclaiming control and being like, okay, like, let me actually actively do something besides practice the piano to, right. uh, to, to work on, uh, to work on this situation and try to get uh, a handle on the truth that I lost once I realized I must have had the wrong piece of tape. I just realized that I didn't answer my own question. Uh, so I feel like him poisoning the dog is the film commenting kind of on the, the ghoulishness of investigation and, and in particular forensic ex- investigation. Cause we see throughout the film, which for a child would probably be very traumatic. Cause there's that moment where they like walk back and they see the lawyer's team throwing the dummy out the window to try to like recreate the splatter based on a fall and you know like so so between stuff like that so so i my point is that through this trial the son has learned this weird like inductive reasoning that like you have to reenact something in order to to obtain truth about it like so that i think that's why he feels like oh to like that 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 him poisoning the dog will be some kind of evidence that he can use right like to be like look i reproduced the conditions in which this might have happened right <laughs> i repoisoned my dog with aspirin <laughs> um and he and it made him vomit like that's the other thing is like he it almost seemed like he knew that the logical like that this scenario would force them to get the dog to vomit and then he could mm-hmm. talk about the smell of the vomit and how it all it's all coming back to him now right um so there's a reading of this that where the the kid is actually like an evil genius in a lot of ways um in terms of like getting his mom acquitted and like and that like he quickly absorbs this like type of logic right and and what what counts as evidence in this in this world uh and then like figures out a way to kind of participate in it so which is very cynical <laughs> like uh but you mentioned the him playing the piano so oh I meant to look this up so the the piano piece that he's playing is one that I had to learn as a kid. It's a it's a it's like I think it's a prelude by Chopin, and it's one of those pieces where and I feel like this this worked in perfectly with the ramping up of the tension of the movie because the the piece has that just like two note refrain and it's like super repetitive, almost to the point where it's like agonizing. Like if you're playing this piece, it's like it's like constantly building towards something and never and going back. And building towards something and going back and then there's a moment where and it's towards the end of the film it's very it's there's only one time they have him play past that part and into the part that actually like kind of explodes the way he put the his interpretation of it is actually pretty even keeled which i was kind of disappointed in because like there are versions of the piece where a pianist will like just go nuts and like because because it's like a like a bursting open of the tension because there's this rep- like repetition of these two notes and then all of a sudden it's like like and all this stuff happens and but he he actually does a little bit more understated version of it but still it's like it, i feel like it was really pr- i was like i was like whoa like which which you wouldn't really appreciate i think if you didn't know the piece but like there's only one moment where he gets to play the whole song and kind of like and it's at the end i think it's it's in that same you know, we only saw this movie once, so I don't know exactly where the scene is, but it's in in the section of the movie where he poisons the dog. <laughs> so like the sort of weekend he has alone when when he asks, yeah. he says, yeah. like, "I want the mom to leave." So that's interesting. That that's right. The so only like musically, there's a resolution of the piece in the movie that right. I feel like parallels like his character arc. Um, interesting. Yeah. So that's my music ner- nerd corner. <laughs> Oh, that's great! <laughs> if I, I'll look it up and maybe put it in the show notes because, like, it is a really beautiful piece of music. 
but also very frustrating play. Okay. Um, do you want to share your theory that you had the other night of like, because uh, I established my theory of the sun is evil genius. Do you want to establish your theory of Sandra is manipulative evil genius? Was this my theory? Yeah. Were you like in particular with the lawyer that she was like using him? Oh yeah. To get what he was, wanted. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that she, cause it was very, it was clear from a few of their sort of outside of the courtroom, outside of the investigation interactions. There's three or four scenes, I think where they are, you know, just sort of chatting that they have a history um, that he had a thing for her, uh, maybe all the way was in love with her uh, and that she, didn't reciprocate and clearly ended up with this other man instead uh, and then calls him as soon as she's in trouble. He comes over and is like, oh, you're the only lawyer I know, but I have heard that you're good. Uh, And they're sort of, they joke about that a little bit. And then as soon as it's over, the trial's over and they win, they go out to the restaurant. It kind of had that like a vibe where he was like, thinking maybe this is gonna is it okay if we hook up now a single woman now uh untethered to a a future uh jail free woman and uh yeah free free and clear uh and she just you know had there's a great there's a great quiet little scene in the chinese restaurant where she grabs his face and just really looks at him for a, a long a long beat uh and then you know, let's go. And that's sort of, that's sort of it. And was it that she was using the fact that he was interested in her and had these buried emotions about her that she was uh, toying with that and digging those up to get him to come and be her lawyer. And now that the, her, his services are no longer required. She was like, thank you very much for your time. uh, And I'm done. And that was that a, an indication of her, the way that she used people and the way that she was, you know, again, maybe a sociopath or at the very least just inherently very selfish and uh, only cared about her own self-interest. I mean, another thing to point out, like in, in, in this, in these moments, the, the son, after she was acquitted and on her way, right. She calls her son and asks like, does, does he want to talk to, to, to me? Right. She's talking to the, to the caretaker and the son doesn't want to talk to her right that second. Right. She, she says that he's tired or something. And then, but then she perks up because like, oh, well, I'll see you later tonight or, or whatever, right? So, um, but she stays out really late with like the lawyers, right? Yeah. Um, and then by the time she gets home, her son is asleep, right? Um, so I, it was, it was, I mean, that's part of the sort of beautiful complexity of this movie that like, I don't know what to, to make of that. It's, it is just a really weird um sort of maybe it is just that she's just kind of thoughtless about her son because like on the one hand i thought well does that mean that she's she was actually guilty um but you'd think that if her son had helped her and she was actually guilty she'd want to rush home and be with him or does she feel guilty because she knows that he did it and she knows that she did it (laughs) so i don't know right um and but i mean this goes back to sort of like the the my beginning thing about like students asking me like well what what what's the answer and I'm like I don't care <laughs> right like doesn't really matter um, to me what matters is like all this other really interesting stuff that we're that we're talking about so so I don't really have yeah you know it's I I love hearing your theories right and I I think they're really fascinating but it's just not how I how I view especially anything in, involving a, a courtroom. I definitely go to the to like burden of proof, this is going to win or this is going to lose. I think about that. But I don't, I, it's interesting that like, I don't really think that much about like, yeah, what, what, what do actually you, Do you agree with the ruling? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely Because not, of the burden not, of proof. Because of the burden of proof. Not because of what yeah. the kids said, because I think that's a lie. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I think his credibility. I think his credibility was shot already by him lying earlier, right? So this, this, this in an American court, right? We would have that that would have that would have made him seem like an unreliable witness already, like the with the him changing his testimony about the the what what he heard, right? Right. Then I'm just like, we don't want to, we don't need to hear from. But you. again, but again, I think his identity, like the fact that he's a, a young child, yeah, is definitely influencing how people are perceiving his story right yeah for um, sure and in this in the sense that they're more likely to in the way that it's the opposite with sandra right like people are kind of biased against her in a little a little bit i mean she's not really doing herself any favors in a lot of ways but like but but you know there is there you could argue that parts of her identity are sort of like working against her in terms of people's mm-hmm. preconceived notions and assumptions another key i think line in the movie is during that time when the dog is being poisoned, uh, a, a key a key signifier, a, a key moment in the movie. It clearly stamp. made an impression on us. We've talked about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but when the the mom is uh, in a hotel room, I assume, somewhere, and is watching like a panel show that's talking about it and the people on the show, one of them says something along the lines of, well, isn't it just inherently a more interesting story if this writer killed her husband than if a teacher committed suicide? Yeah, mm. and you know, the fact that uh, you know the, the husband gets boiled down to just a teacher, uh, yeah. and uh, you know doesn't get the sort of the, the the other you know isn't isn't also considered a writer. I'm sure uh, wouldn't have been great for him if he were alive. But uh, that there is this again this sort of idea of like, well, what's the better story, and what's the story that that people want? And the, yeah, so I think to, to that point, be, you know, there is sort of the aspects of her personality that play against her. There's also the tide of this is a, you know, in, in, in a real world context, this is an interesting tabloid story if it's writer murdered uh, her husband and, you know, there may be some intrigue about intellectual property and and uh, all of that or just even just marital strife as opposed to a guy tripped and fell installing insulation and fell out a window, whatever. Or a guy was sad and killed himself. So many narratives. Uh, I think... We are ready to move on to Oscars watch and wrap it up. I actually have new music for this too. Test it out. All right. Okay. Swinging. I like it. (laughs) I like it too. We've already mentioned at the top of the show that this has some Oscars discourse surrounding it, right? It's in the conversation. What do you both think it realistically will get nominated for, if anything? I think lead actress and screenplay. Uh, yeah, if I, if I had to place bets, I would agree with Antonio. That's certainly actress and, uh, and screenplay. If I had to pick one screenplay first. Um, but I think, I think that um, Hewler's performance is so strong and so layered and nuanced that I think people will want to honor that at least with the nomination uh, especially given that she is also supposed to be incredible in the zone of interest uh, which would probably be a supporting role but maybe the lead one would get a little bit more momentum supporting I, both categories are right, she'd be bad. winning for both in theory right or like you know she you know she'd get nominated for one but it would really be for both 
I right. think is what, exactly. what a lot yeah, of people it, it would be honoring her performance ac- you know, across the whole year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Zone of Interest gets all kinds of momentum, and she does. It gets. It does happen. People get dual nominations. Um, I, I think that picture and director are not outside of the scope of the conversation, especially picture down in like eighth, ninth, tenth spots. Because uh, I think, you know, th- this is the kind of movie that if it gets a big, uh, big support or or a lot of momentum in a subsection of the Academy, it could it could get into. Uh, the the list. I don't know if it has a lot of chances in the actual ultimate conversation. Right. I think that Jen actually technically you you said it first when we left. So I'll 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 let you say what else. What other nominations do you think it could get? I think it's definitely on the table for screenplay, and I would even go so far to say sound. I mean, whether or not it, I don't know. Like, I think it's it that one probably depends on how much momentum it has overall if it gets in there. Because if it if it does make it a best picture, then it, I think it's definitely deserving of a sound nomination. Because the as we said, like so much of the silence versus sound and the sound mixing, right? Because we have the music blasting, but they're trying to hear people talking, and like there's there's a lot of complicated, sophisticated work with sound in this film. Um, so I think that's definitely on the table, but I think would probably depend on how many other nominations it gets if that's if that actually has chances there. But yeah, screenplay I feel like because at the, you know at the beginning I said the screenplay was one of my favorite parts of the film, and it's just the the word the words we're just hanging on all the words that all these characters are saying to each other, and so I think even if it doesn't even if it, if it doesn't get best picture, I feel like it still could get screenplay. Zone of interest is adapted, but this is original, yes. I think, maybe. So, okay. Uh, there, there's nothing listed. On, I mean, Wikipedia is never wrong. There's nothing listed on Wikipedia <laughs> as it being something it is adapted from. So I think it would be an original. Okay. Antonio, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I, I, Hewler for, for actress and, and screenplay, I think, are the... Are the I, I, I'd be delighted if it were, if it um, got a Best Picture nomination or maybe a Best Director nomination, but I think that's less likely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think our conclusion back when we did our premature predictions was, at least I said, Greta Gerwig's probably getting in, and there's only one one room for one woman in the director category. <laughs> Not because that's what should be, oh. but that's because what well, that's the director's got a director, uh, and and I mean <laughs> like um, the his the historical precedent would not be on our side in terms of. Support the likelihood of two female directors making into that category. And I, and I feel like if they had to choose between one or the other, it's probably Greta. But um, so the thing we haven't mentioned actually, because I don't remember when we did our premature predictions, this was not announced yet. And and I think we're forgetting this because we actually talked about this off mic when we were walking out of the theater, but the, that France has not chosen this as their Oscar submission. Mm. Um, and that they've chosen the taste of things a film that also sounds very good and has gotten a lot of critical praise, uh, but is, is a very different story. It's about chefs and French food. And like, you know, people would say is a lot more kind of traditional pick or, or safer pick than this film. Um, how do you think that's going to impact its chances? Cause it's not going to be eligible for international feature. Cause typically if some, a film that is not America, that's an international film and which one this, this is, uh, it's a French film, but also has English and German <laughs> in it. Um, but, it, you know, it's not going to be eligible to be in international feature. Typically, that's the launch pad for a film that could also get 
of nomination and best picture, right? Um, like Drive My Car or you know, there's probably a bunch of other examples I can think of, but um, Roma probably was another one, right? Um, so do, how does that change things? Because I've heard arguments both compelling on either side of like that this will help it get push it into best picture because people will be like, oh, no, France, you're so foolish. Like, let's reward this movie. Or it might do the opposite where people it will like drop off people's radars because it's not the official selection. Jen, are you saying that people from different perspectives are taking the same set of facts and crafting yes. uh, contrasting narratives? Could, could that actually happen? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know because I, I agree. I've seen the arguments and I think they are equally persuasive where, you know, the, I think it's, it's sort of the, the that hump that, that is uh, reflected in the did she do it? dot com like your 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 little postcard and the website before the movie uh yes there it is it's been shown again uh that it's uh, you know the th- trying to get it to sort of be like ooh isn't this a thing you want to watch like ooh like you gotta go check it out because I think the easy the the, the roadblock or the obstacle to th- it generating some momentum is people being like, well, France didn't even think it was that good. Like it chose something else. So I'm not even going to bother watching it. So I think if it's, you get people to watch it, then maybe they can, they'll start to see, oh yeah, this is a really good screenplay. This acting performance is incredible. The, all the other elements, I would really love for this to get a sound nomination. I think that would be a, a really, a really good pick. Um, but you know, unlikely, but still good that, you know, it, it could get some momentum. Would it be to sort of stick it to, uh, the 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 I don't know board or whatever it is that that selects at the academy in France that made the decision I don't know but uh, you know there there might be some degree of momentum campaign momentum based around the idea of look you can't default to just voting for it for international feature because it's not there so like we need to actually nominate it in these other categories and maybe even get it to win but we'll just have to see I guess. I think the key for this movie comes down to like the critics awards leading up. Like Sandra Schuler mm. feels like the kind of performer <clears throat> who will win, who could win like New York film critics, LA film critics, national board of review. And she'd win for, because you, for those critic circles, you can win for multiple movies. I could see her winning best actress for both this and zone of interest. And if she wins enough of those awards and enough people see the movie because of that, then I think that's the momentum that's that can get that'll get enough people to see it to where maybe you can maybe people won't care that it wasn't nominated or or it'll be just part it will be part of the narrative people will um, be upset that it, that it wasn't um, it wasn't selected for that and will and will they'll support the they'll support her uh, the actress and then and then the movie by extension. So in in looking at at least my list of predictions, I don't recall. It, you know, the exact sort of splits that, that Jen, you had with me when we were talking about them, but there was, uh, there was the holdovers and there was this and, uh, and Barbie as an original screenplay as things that I think we sort of thought were in a really good place. Then it's this sort of, you know, mash together of mm. our podcast favorite past lives, Maestro, Saltburn, May, December, uh, and then ones that maybe are less likely, Rustin, Napoleon, Air, The Boy and the Heron. So it did sort of even then feel like Anatomy of a Falls in a pretty good position there. I, I, I do hope it doesn't come down to sort of, well, it's either going to be Anatomy of a Fall or Past Lives for the fifth slot. Because like what a 
what a disaster that would be. Uh, that we wouldn't like that. We wouldn't want that nope. here on the long take review. We want them both. At to minimum, get past lives needs to get screenplay. I agree. Should I don't win? know what we're doing if it doesn't even get that. But <laughs> weirder things have happened. Um. Uh. This is not Oscar related. So I think we really are wrapping up now. Anything else about Oscar prospects? Okay. Um, have either of you been to didshedoit.com? Yeah. No. no. Did you go? So if you go, it oh, no, go. asks you, yeah, you can do it right now. It's really quick. Um, it asks you, did she do it? Yes or no. And then after you click on it, it asks you to give your reasoning. Oh, interesting. And then you can go, once you do that, you can go read what everyone else has posted. Oh. It's fascinating. (laughs) You could probably do a whole, like, academic paper just on that alone. Um, There's enough material there. It's, yeah. Okay, yeah, view answers. Uh, So the first one here is, uh, for under yes, is Masterpiece. Uh, which is true about the movie. I don't think that's why she did it. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, I do appreciate the first no is in to, to it, speaking to Antonio's heart. No evidence. There uh, <laughs> she didn't need to and she physically couldn't. Yeah. Wow. This this is great. I do recommend people do this after they see this movie. The thing I put in, which has probably been pushed away down now because I did a couple of days ago, was uh, no, which is not what I said on air, but no. And then my reasoning was. Because Snoop says so. <laughs> nice. I, I I also to get to the answers, I did a, just a real quick dog. I said the dog the dog says she didn't, and I believe the dog. There we go. There you have it. The most airtight yeah. case. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the law and order drop? Uh, Close the case. Oh yeah, there we go. Executive uh, producer Dick Wolf. <laughs> Um, all right. This has been amazing. I'm so glad we got to do the anatomy of a movie um, and this movie. It was great. Uh, Antonio, you're notori- notoriously off the grid, uh, except for maybe LinkedIn. But was there anything you want to plug while you're here? I have nothing to plug. I But okay. it was so fun to watch this movie with you all. It's so fun to talk about. PT, where can I mean- people find... Yeah, now that I've already we we moved the the social plugs up to the to top. Say? Now it's like, well, now I got to talk about how I don't go. I don't. You can follow me at PT McNiff on Instagram and Threads. I almost never say anything, uh, but uh, th- you should go and follow the show at the Long Take Review, where we say slightly more. Uh, and you can email us at the long uh, via the Long Take Review at gmail dot com uh, if you have any uh, issues, questions, or uh, recommendations. And you can find me at Subchakchai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I on Instagram and threads and Qui-Gon Jen on Letterboxd. Thank you both. This was really fun. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel. <laughs> My next note on here is PT probably wants to talk about 50 Cent. Um, <laughs> I spent the whole movie being like, or the first part of the movie being like, wow, I guess this is the French 
jazz song that uh, that 50 Cent sampled or was, you know, Dr. Dre sampled for 50 right. Cent. That's really fun. And then they're in the courtroom. They're like, this was, he was listening to PIMP by 50 Cent. I was like, oh, I'm, it's an instrumental version. But the instrumental version, which is it very is, important. It's, it's an instrumental version. <laughs> Can't be misogynist.